Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Liftoff will start in T-minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, this is Craig Ackerman, TV play-by-play announcer for the Houston Rockets. What's up, everyone? This is Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked on Rockets. This is Chris Chavez. This is your boy, Heezy, a.k.a. Raheel Ramzanali. It's Sean from Shots and Thoughts. This is Will, a.k.a. Bias Houston. This is Chucky Brown, former NBA basketball player for the 1995 NBA champion Houston Rockets. This is Timoteo Keister. What up, what up? It's Roosh Williams, the Mastodon himself. What's up, Rockets fans? This is Hollywood Don Knock. This is Devin White, a.k.a. The Gentleman. It's your boy, Von Wafer, former Houston Rocket, retired professional NBA basketball player. Five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition. This is Jonathan Sanford, public address announcer for your Houston Rockets. You're listening to The Summit State of Mind. What is going on, everyone? You are listening to The Summit State of Mind, the podcast of Dream Shakes and Step Backs. And everything Houston Rockets presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network and the official podcast for Fansite. It's Houston Rockets website, spacecityscoop.com. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny. Of course, with me as always is my brother, my tag team partner, the GM, Justin. Yo, Justin, how are you doing today? It's a Wednesday afternoon. I just got mm-hmm. off work, but I just wanted to check in on you see how you're doing. I'm good. I'm sipping on a, a beer from our friends at Urban South. Cheap little plug. Yeah, I can't shameless, really see it, but plug. you know, have to give them the shout out after all the parties we've done over there. Um, but yeah, nothing crazy. Work was really busy for me today, um, but nothing that I can't handle. I guess the norm. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> nothing that you can handle. Wink, wink. Well, yeah. You know, I'm telling you right now, it was, it was pretty big time that you're sipping on some urban stuff, but the episode just keeps getting bigger because we have another brand new guest here on the show here at the summit. And it's so funny, too, because the namesake is the summit. And this guy pretty much this guy. I don't know. He he kind of played some part at that at that championship run to a degree. So I'm known for giving intros. I, I hope I don't get caught flat footed here. Let's see how I do. Here we go. He was the Rockets PA announcer from 1994 through 96, especially during the championship run. He then returned as the Rockets PA announcer from 2016 to 2021. But he is now the current play by play radio voice for our Houston Rockets on Sports Talk 790. He is also the host and the namesake of the Matt Thomas show on Sports Talk 790 from noon to three. We are honored to introduce to our show for the very for the very first time, the one, the only Matt Thomas at the summit. Matt, how are you doing today, man? You nailed it. You didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> Justin, could you have done that? I don't think so. 
Kenny to be honest with you, zero so far. D- definitely not. That is why he is the host and I am the co-host of the I show. Yeah, <laughs> you got it all right. I'm very proud of you, boys. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. How's it going today, Matt? How you doing? I'm good. You're. What are you drinking, uh, Justin? I'm drinking this Kolsch. It's a dry hopped Kolsch from a good friend of ours um, at Urban South, which is in the Heights. They're like close to Sawyer Yards. We've thrown a few. Um, Rockets watch parties there throughout the year. Um, so always trying to throw some support their way. Always. And how crazy are those rocket watch parties? Tell the truth. Oh, they were they were great. The last watch party was when, I don't know if you heard of our good friend Paulo Alves from Portugal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Considered the the biggest international Rockets fan. So yeah. the, that the last watch party was the day that he arrived to Houston. So we basically did, we threw the watch party for him as a welcome party as well. It got kind of crazy in there. It was fun. Um, the first watch party was very, very fun as well. Like that was pretty wild. It was really cold that day. So everyone decided to bundle up together. This time we were able to kind of, you know, space apart just a little All bit right. more. This most did, recent party. Did anybody vomit? And when they did it, they did they vomit for distance? <laughs> if they did, we're, we... talking, we're talking projectile <laughs> over here. Okay. Uh... If they did, we don't know. But, uh, you know, what they say, what did they say? Um, ignorance is bliss. I'm okay with that. Don't ask, don't tell. What happens at a Rockets watch party stays at a Rockets watch party. There you go. I want to go to one of these things, but I, I have news for you. I will never be at one of your parties under any <laughs> circumstance. I'm just not going to be able to go. Love to go, but just won't be able to. Oh, It's no. okay. Maybe one day. Maybe one hey, day. Hey, maybe during the summer league, you guys have a summer league game, and I'll and we'll come, I'll hang out and uh, drink some. Oh, but, man. I'll drink some coffee, because I'm always drinking coffee, no what time of the day it is. <laughs> Matt, consider consider this a uh, consider this a we're gonna tick this down. This is on the list now. It's Perfect. gonna happen. We yeah. gotta make it happen. Here, you heard it here first at the summit. Matt Thomas officially RSVP'd to the summer league watch party <laughs> at some point. Hopefully, we can set it. Well, up. I'm gonna tell you a God's honest story. A couple of years ago, we had a uh, a bunch of rockets. I think his name is Justin TX Tank Tank on Twitter. I think is a big Rockets guy. Hmm. Oh, is it apathetic? I don't remember. Or he's from uh, Clutch fans, maybe. No, yeah, remember, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So him and a bunch of his buddies from Clutch fans said, "Let's go to a bar on uh, Richmond." I'm not going to mention them because they don't pay money to either one of us, so they don't get a free plug. Uh, <laughs> and they said, "Let's go watch Summer League." And I'm like, "That sounds like a good idea." And we all sat down. There was about ten of us, and um, we had discussed the rumors of maybe Russell Westbrook coming to the Rockets. And I would say of the 10 of us that were in the, in at the table, probably eight of us, I was not one of them. I was like, you know what? Wouldn't be half bad. I, I know the relationship with Chris Paul had kind of deteriorated a little bit mm-hmm. and that things were probably going to be on the move. Um, and I said, you know what? Not a bad idea. So we started watching the summer league and you know how summer league games go. They're really boring. I mean, they're, Usually full of fouls, not a lot of recognizable players, mm-hmm. obviously not like last year. And then Woj jumps in right in the middle of the broadcast and says, Russell Westbrook's been traded to the Rockets. And those eight people that hated the deal all were like, well, that may not be the best, the worst thing in the world. I'm like, y'all are a bunch of phonies. You were crushing him 10 minutes ago when he was a member of the Thunder. Now he's a Rocket. Y'all are loving him. Y'all are a bunch of phonies. So if Clutch fans, if you guys are watching this right now, I know who you are, and I know I was in the majority of the minority of. You know what? This won't be the worst thing in the world. I remember seeing that post. I think I think Ben DeBose was there. Mm-hmm. I believe he, I remember wow. him posting about it. Rockets like girl that. was there. I believe. Yeah, Ben didn't bring his dog though, so I don't know if, how many oh, yes. likes it got as a part of it. So, <laughs> but Ben was definitely there. Matt's mm-hmm. got the receipts. I love it. This is great. 
you know, because that's the thing. And it's so funny because that's summer league. So when you're thinking, you're thinking, yeah, like, okay, summer league, we're going to go through almost like a, it's almost like a rec center game. And then all of a sudden, boom, one superstar gets traded for another superstar. Wild. Can only imagine like how like that much, like obviously the reverberation of that too. Cause we were all like, we were both set. We were both like separate. And then my brother calls me, he goes, dude, check your phone. And I'm like, not even on my phone. And I'm like, yo, boom, blow up of all those texts. So I can only imagine it must've been absolutely crazy. Yeah. That's the one thing about the NBA and look, trade deadlines in baseball are interesting, mm-hmm. but free agency moving around in the NBA is way sexier than it is in the NFL and major league baseball. It just I is. Absolutely. I don't know why that is, whether that's Woj bombs or Shams bombs, or there's just so much movement, but it feels like there hasn't been an off season where superstar players are bouncing from team to team or trades mm-hmm. happen. And, I mean, look at this year alone with James going from Brooklyn to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons being involved. I mean, these are heavy, heavy deals, and that's why mm-hmm. uh, it's so much fun to talk about the NBA. Now, frankly, when the Rockets not being particularly good on my radio show, I, I just, you know, I have to play the hits, meaning I have to play what people really want to talk about. Yeah. And sadly, the NBA just isn't a huge topic of conversation because the local team's not doing particularly well. But when it was good and when the Rockets were making playoff appearances on a regular basis, you know, whether it was in the good times of playing the Warriors in the Western Finals or the bad times of losing to Dame Lillard on a shot against Portland, people were very vested. So right now we're in a little bit of a lull, but hopefully we get that back uh, pretty soon. Absolutely. I can't wait. And I know it's going to happen sooner or later. And the fact that we we just had uh, ju- we had Mr. Sanford on a few days ago, uh, the new PA announcer, the man who who succeeded you. Yeah, he was saying the exact same thing. He was like, you know, this is great, you know, because we're, we're going to be growing with these guys. It's going to be homegrown. So we can't wait to see what's going to happen down the line in the next few years. But mm-hmm. uh, let's rewind the clock. I want to rewind the clock with you. Let's talk about, you know, your grassroots in like being in the city. I heard yeah. you're from Katy. You're from Katie. high school, Maid Creek. Uh-huh. Go Rams. That's right. Oh, see, there you go. There you go. And I just kind of wanted to get to know your history, like throughout that. And then ultimately, like you becoming the PA announcer for the Rockets during the championship run, which was like the best yeah. time, obviously, to do that. And your voice was so legendary in that call. And I have to give you your flowers in regards to that, because me and my brother can still to this day. I mean, Justin does. He does the OT Otis Thorpe thing like, oh, yeah, nothing. He loves yeah, that's my favorite call out. It's so funny, you know, and I have been associated with the Rockets now under two different occasions. And obviously, my first year doing all the play-by-play on the radio. Last year, the last five years, I had done just the road games because Bill Worrell was obviously doing the home games, and Craig would shift over from radio to television. But I will still get probably once a month if they people recognize me, they'll say, "Can you do your Elijah one for me?" Or can you introduce my kids <laughs> to Little League baseball team? That happens <laughs> all the time. And I've uh, I was doing I've done some cameos in the past as well where people mm-hmm. from all over the country and the world have said hey my daughter's thir- turning thirteen she's a big James Harden fan or she's a big Jalen Green fan can you introduce it so as much as I love doing the play by play I probably am as well known if not more so for my PA work especially when the championship airs uh, to give you the backstory on that as I mentioned I grew up in the Katy area went to May Creek High School. And uh, was a terrible athlete. I had no business being an athlete. I played golf, which is what non-athletes do. And I was also the, the mascot of the high school. So I could dance a little bit for a white guy. So I was pretty pleased with that. That's awesome. Uh, but uh, I knew at a very young age I was going to be a performer. I was going to be in front of a microphone. And I always kind of promised myself that my parents had terrible jobs. Uh, one was a teacher and one was a legal secretary. And they didn't like their jobs. And I thought to myself as a very young person, 
I didn't want to work anything where I was either behind a desk, working an eight to five job or doing something that I was miserable and didn't want to enjoy. So uh, I got very much acclimated to doing PA and was involved with my choir. I was involved with the speech department. So I knew at a very young age what I wanted to do. Uh, went, went, went away to uh, the University of North Texas just to get away for a year after I graduated high school. I got a radio station job after my freshman year at a small radio station called KSEB, which is still around. It is, uh, was owned at the time and still is by Dan Patrick, who was our current lieutenant governor. For those that don't know, Dan was a TV uh, uh, sports anchor at Channel 11 for a lot of time in the late 70s and early 80s. He got out of the business and decided to buy a radio station. And he had the first ever sports radio morning show in Houston history. And so I got to eventually work with him on that and kind of learn the business from behind the scenes while going to school at the University of Houston at the same time. In fact, it took me seven years to graduate college because I was going to school full time or part time and working full time. Uh, And I wouldn't regret that for a second. But when you get in the business as early as I did when I was 19, 20 years old, I didn't have the typical college lifestyle. I didn't go to, I wasn't involved in a fraternity. I didn't go to parties. I, I didn't hang out on campus. I would drive to U of H and come right back to home and, and do that. Well, uh, I got in the sports business and started learning behind the scenes. And then I found out that the Rockets were looking for a new PA announcer for the 1993-1994 season. I was 21 at the time. And I was like, you know, I did PA when I was in high school. And I think I got a pretty good voice. And I'm going to go try for the job. And they had a big, long, exhaustive process. And it was me and one other person. And that other person, no need to worry about who it is, got the job over me. And I was obviously very disappointed. Well, this person, while having a good voice, had absolutely no clue about the the fast-paced world of NBA. Baskets, rules, what officials would say. I think he was making a tremendous amount of mistakes from wrong foul call names to having no, you know, uh, ad lib skills. It was just a bad fit. So uh, midway through the 1993, 94 season, they called me back and said, Hey, we're going to, I think we're going to let this guy go. Would you like to take over? And I said, well, of course I would. So here I am at 21 years of age, the new PA announcer for the Houston Rockets. And I was uh, in a kid in a candy store because it was, first of all, my voice was booming throughout the summit. Secondly, I'm 21 years old doing this. I had to have been at the time, maybe the youngest PA announcer ever in NBA history. Got to be. And then they won the first championship and then they won the second championship. And then I did the last season in 1996 before I was given an opportunity to do the play-by-play for the University of Houston uh, on football and basketball. So, you know, as much as PA is fun, play-by-play is is going to be in the, in, the, in the food chain, a, a more prestigious opportunity. Plus, let's face it, it also pays a lot more money. So that's the reason why I left. I wasn't because I wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't because they didn't like me. I just had an opportunity to become the PA, the play-by-play voice of my alma mater. And what was strange about that is I told you guys I was still in school at the time. So I was calling football and basketball games and having classes with guys that were on the football team. So I would see these guys on a plane. We'd be going somewhere to call a game in Pittsburgh or a game a game in Memphis. And, oh, by the way, that guy's in my astronomy class, too. So it was a really, really weird time. But uh, I, I wouldn't regret it for the world. I had two championship rings. Uh, I was a part of the Astrodome celebration. It was some of the greatest that. times of my life. <laughs> and uh, I, I still think of those days with just great memories. And OT was a favorite of mine. Robert Ory was a favorite of mine. Akeem Olajuwon. In fact, when I see Dream 
at Rockets games or hanging around the team, he always still calls me voice. He did. I don't think, I don't think dream knows my name, but he just calls <laughs> me the voice. And still does this day. So, uh, and that was great. So fast forward and I've got my radio career going. I left to go to Salt Lake City to Minneapolis for five years, then came back in 2010. Mm. Fast forward, I go back to do the University of Houston games, uh, doing basketball. And uh, they brought me back uh, about in, I want to say, the 2015 season to celebrate the 94 championship. It may have been the 2014 season. Yes, yes. And, and I and I am seeing an event where I introduced the players like I did back in 1994, 1995. And uh, I got a phone call from the marketing department of the Rockets, and they said, hey, would you like to come back and be the PA announcer? And I said, well, thanks, but no thanks, because I was doing play-by-play and making good money and plus my radio job. They said, well, okay, but what if we were to tell you that Bill Orell was going to cut his schedule back just to home games and that you could do the road games when Craig Ackerman goes to television? I said, sign me up. And that was uh, five, six years ago. And uh, I was given no timetable as to how long Bill was going to go. I was kind of given the initial impression he was going to do just one more year of that. So the one year of the half PA, half play-by-play. Bill wound up staying five. But Bill is such a legend and such a hero to me. I was never going to put any pressure on anybody to tell Bill Orell when to retire. He's got so many skins on the wall that he deserves to retire on his own terms. And so uh, this past season, he did retire. And... uh, Craig was able to fortunately get the full-time television job, and that's when I slid into radio, and Jonathan was able to uh, take over my spot. So it has been um, an amazing go-around with the Rockets, uh, supplementing my other job, which, you know, during the year, it's it's a lot of work. Doing my three-hour radio show and a game on the same night is quite taxing, so I've had to kind of pace myself mm. about taking time off, not doing a lot of extra things, and really my life basically comes down to, in the fall, um, helping my family best I can working, watching my daughter play volleyball and, you know, obviously calling rockets games. So it's a great life. I wouldn't change it for anything, but it does, it does take a lot out of you. You have so much like footprints in terms of like just being a Houstonian and being like on this rockets team, like for us, for doing what we're doing. Cause we like the, the inception of our podcast name was, was, set from that because that was our first memories now granted i'm two three years old when we win a championship but like we still remember our dad going crazy going ape Mm -hmm. winning Mm -hmm. titles so the fact that our names was after that was was always kind of like a blessing us that we were able to kind of put that together but just kind of just seeing this like your story is how inspirational it is to just like kind of get to where you are and and you've never can, can you honestly say feel like okay that you've worked a day in your life in that sense like you know so some people like oh i love it so much like No, I mean, think about it. I get to go on the radio 15 hours a week and talk about the most unimportant things in life. (laughs) And I get paid a lot of money to do that. And I've listened to a basketball game. And the big picture doesn't help gas prices, doesn't help with education, doesn't help with world peace. We're just doing sports. So, uh, yeah, uh, Again, some days are a little more difficult than others. Like if there's nothing going on in sports, it's a little bit of a challenge. It's a little mm. bit of a challenge. The Rockets are not playing well. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it's 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 the greatest life in the world. And I can't I can't ever uh, regret any moves I made. And just I soak up every single minute. You were talking about the summit. What a magical place. And, and it's hard for me to tell, you know, people have been there a little bit. Compact Center was okay. 
but the name itself was such right. a spectacular name. Right. And here's the greatest thing about the building. And I've seen concerts. I've seen the Globetrotters. I've seen the circus. I've seen, obviously, hundreds of Rockets games. I worked hundreds of games while I was there. It just had a smell to it. You could, I could, you could pick me up, blindfold me, put me in any concourse of the summit, and I would know exactly where I was. And I don't know if that's because they had poor housekeeping or whatever the case may be, <laughs> but I can tell you where I was, where I was to the moment. If you said, let's go back in time to 1984 when you were a 12 or 13-year-old kid going to watch mm-hmm. young Akeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson playing in the stands, and I could tell you where I was. And that's why I will always, as great as Toyota Center is, I still miss the summit desk very, very badly. Yeah, I mean, unreal. Yeah, that's exactly. That's where our. That's like I said. That's where the namesake came from. I can only imagine like how that must feel for you. We didn't even able to step foot. We've never stepped foot in there. No, we only went there once when our brother graduated from high school. Yeah, and it was already Compact Center. It was Compact Center at that point. Why isn't your brother on this podcast? Where is he right now? He's in Italy. And he's not the biggest sports fan, but he's not a sports okay. guy. Excuses. I don't want to buy, I don't buy any of that. That's but right. it is, it's an amazing <laughs> facility. And the one thing that people ask me as I travel around the NBA is they say, well, what's your favorite arena? And unfortunately they're all about the same. Mm-hmm. First of all, they all have corporate tags to them. And that's just how business works in 2022. Nobody's, you know, when I was growing up, you had the Omni in Atlanta, you had the spectrum in Philadelphia, you had, the Palace of Auburn Hills. You had the summit. You had the form. Now everybody's named after a corporate entity, and, and that's mm-hmm. a smart business decision. Yeah. But today's basketball arenas are about 18,000 seats. They have club seating in two or three levels. They have lower seats that are courtside, but there's no charm to them. That's the great thing still about Major League Baseball to this day is that Fenway Park is completely different from Dodger Stadium. Minute Maid Park is completely different from, say, uh, Tigers or Comerica Park in Detroit. Mm-hmm. The NBA arena just doesn't have that. And that's why I always love the summit because, like I said, I could walk into the summit and know exactly where I was within my eyes closed because I could feel the aura of the summit no matter what I was there for. I love that because you're right. You know, like stadiums nowadays – I don't see it like when you say the charm, like it's not as personable as you would say back in the day. Like, but even when I watch baseball games, like I've been to Milwaukee um, over at what is formerly known as Miller Park, it's not Miller Park anymore. That park was extremely unique. It was a very fun experience. I was in Seattle in January and got to watch the Seattle Kraken at their new stadium over there. Yeah, and right. that arena is next level. That is high tech. It's a beautiful stadium. I didn't get to walk around everywhere but from what i had noticed it was just extremely open it's a lot more unique in comparison to other arenas that i've been inside and it's unfortunate that seattle doesn't have a team right now but hopefully that'll happen that'll change who knows but yeah i know exactly what you're saying because like i i personally i want to go visit all the major league baseball stadiums everything is super unique but i love baseball almost as much as basketball um, that's just something that I was born and raised with is yeah. baseball, basketball. The only thing I would say is that what separates NBA arenas, as far as I'm concerned, are uh, is the fan base. Who gets there early, who stays late, who's the loudest, who doesn't have to have artificial noisemakers, who, you know. Now, I have different vantage points. Some arenas give me good spot to watch the game. Some give me horrible. But the general audience doesn't care. But uh, it's funny. People have said, well, where is – Where's the, some of the best ambiance? And I would tell you, 
and it completely surprised me, Toronto is an excellent place to watch a game. Yeah. Those Raptor fans are loud before the game starts. They all sing O Canada together. Everybody's <laughs> in their seats. Yeah. And they can rock with the best of them. And the Rockets, frankly, have won some games there. Matter of fact, they almost, they almost won there this year. They were, I think, up 20-something points on them in a game. But I've called games before where the Rockets have won in Toronto. It's just a great place. And you would have never thought that a city that's obviously known no more for hockey than basketball is so good. But Toronto, to me, is what you want. If you said, yeah, go somewhere outside of Houston, take a fan base, put, them, put you in an arena there, and see what it's like to be an opposing fan just to, to – experience the warmth of an NBA game Toronto's on my top five list well that it's funny that you say that in regards to that because they're obviously known for that that's that's Jurassic Park they they earned their title in 2019 because that that fan base has been just yeah that you can feel like I can feel their energy on the screen like I know like like geez man like these guys really really wanted it made it seem like they were chasing championships for 40 50 years like Cleveland was in 2016 Mm -hmm. but I'm going to put you in the hot seat right now with the last question before we go into our, our ad break. Uh, you, you were talking about ambiances. You called, I mean, you called the championship years. We know that, but you also called the 65 and 17 Rockets. You called that James Harden, Chris Paul, Trevor Reza. That squad was all mm-hmm. set to win. What ambiances, which ambiance is better? I mean, I'm pretty sure we already know the answer to this because we're comparing Summit to Toyota Center, but give me the ambiance, which is better. <sighs> hot seat well you can't equate yeah the finals to a western finals that's true but i will tell you about that 65 and 17 team uh you don't mean to go viral on things occasionally or you don't mean to go viral but occasionally you do yeah i ask your listeners to go to youtube and look up rockets arena announcer game seven golden state versus houston i went viral on that because TNT was in town to broadcast the game and they brought Ernie and they brought Kenny and they brought uh, Shaq and everybody came and they were in the arena. And so Ernie Johnson says, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to our PA announcer, Matt Thomas, for the introduction of the lineups. Well, you guys have gone to Rockets games, right? When I was in the PA, how did I treat the opposing teams? <laughs> like they were nil. I'm nothing. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so legendary. Uh, well, I was... <laughs> So I'll give I'll give your audience. Do your thing, do your thing, please. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Toyota Center for Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals. Tonight, now let's meet tonight's starters. First, for the Golden State Warriors. So I ran through the Golden State lineup. (laughs) I didn't give them much respect. Mm -hmm. In fact, I gave such little respect to Steve Kerr that he chuckled about it. He would though. Steve is he's that kind of personality. So what I would ask you all to do, if you can clip this onto it or you can just tell your friends about it, is go look up me introducing game seven of the Western Conference Finals, me introducing Golden State, and it went bonkers because the whole country saw me do it. And (laughs) most PA announcers don't treat the other team like they're the home team. I just was a little extra salty because it was game seven and the rest is history. So I was beloved by everybody in America except Golden State Warrior fan. I was called an a-hole, F that dude, he's the (laughs) worst. 
Meanwhile, <laughs> everybody else is like, I think, I think the Dan Patrick show played it the next day. I mean, I had so many people like, oh my God, you're so freaking savage on the Golden State side of things. And I told people, I said, I didn't treat Golden State any differently than I would treat Indiana on a March regular season game. No, it's true. It it's happened true. to be that my announcing was on a national television stage. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Was <laughs> that was the best part of the night? The worst part of the night was watching the Rockets miss three pointer after three pointer after oh, three pointer. Oh God! Well, I'll, I'll say two. I'll say two things in regards to that. Point number one: if they're think if they think that's bad, why don't they also YouTube nineteen ninety five? when the Orlando Magic come in the NBA Finals and It's a Small World plays. Yeah, like, yeah there you go. Yeah, there you go. That, See? Like, yeah. I'm like, and, and let's just hear how, you know, and you do it the exact same. Well, maybe not exactly the same way, but, like, it's it's still in just, oh, like. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I didn't like the Orlando Magic. I just really didn't like exactly. the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> no, neither did it's anyone so else. It's so funny either. because yeah. uh, I see uh, Dennis Scott quite a bit on the NBA when he's doing games on uh, TNT or NBA TV, and he and I still josh about that, and you know, <laughs> that was a terrible series for them. I mean, great, great congratulations beating Indiana to win the East. Mm-hmm. But I was in Orlando covering the games for the Rock for the radio station and watching Nick Anderson miss those free throws, and then coming back and the Rockets finishing them off in four with a young Penny and a young Shaquille O'Neal. That was awesome. But yeah, he's it. It's a very sensitive subject. You you don't want to be needle too bad but he knows what i did in 1995 and more importantly he knows what he did in 1995 and his squad did that wasn't winning mm-hmm. a game in the entire series well you know you know what i i found the clip let's go ahead let's share the screen so then we can get everybody in on it and uh let's 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 relive some let's see if if let's see hey, there it is look at that funny asf how about that right there <laughs> tonight starters first for the golden state warriors Forward 6-9 from Texas, number 35, Kevin Durant. The other forward is 6-9 from UCLA, number 5, Kevon Looney. The center, 6-7 from Michigan State, number 23, Draymond Green. And one guard, 6-7 from Washington State, number 11, Clay Thompson. The other guard is 6-3 from Davidson, number 30, Stephen Curry. Head coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr. I can only show Look at that. I told y'all, Rockets, Warriors, Game 7, PA announcer. Didn't take you very long to find it, did it? Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, eight, no, the, okay, well, 359,000, but still, that's still a lot. Yeah, funny AF. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll clip it. I'll clip it regardless. But nonetheless, that is absolutely incredible. If I, it was just the head coach for the Warriors, Steve Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> Man, really called Steph Curry the other guard? <laughs> I remember Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. I'm, I remember like it was yesterday, and I was like, I am, oh, there's going to be a special place in hell for me for Golden State fans, and I, I think they sent me there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If there isn't any other perfect way to, to end the, uh, on the first segment, that'll be it. You know what, uh, Warriors fans, if you guys have a special place in hell for Matt Thomas, put myself in the GM there too because we'll roll with Matt Thomas any day of the week, seven days a week, twice on Sunday. So give us one moment. We're going to continue on with Matt Thomas. Give us one moment, and we will be right back. Jamie's Log. 
Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard, day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is Jonathan Sanford, public address announcer for your Houston Rockets. You're listening to The Summit State of Mind. All right, y'all, welcome back to The Summit State of Mind presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network. I am joined once again by my brother, the GM, Justin, and of course, the former PA announcer, but now currently the play-by-play announcer for the Rockets on the radio, Sports Talk 790, Mr. Matt Thomas himself. Dude, these stories have just been like, I don't know, man, like you can't you can't equate some of these stories and I just love that you were able to come on like a Rockets podcast and you can actually bring that up. But how are you doing so far right now? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I, I honestly love talking about the Rockets. It's my team. I'm an unabashed fan, even if I wasn't the voice of the team. I grew mm-hmm. up with this team. There are teams that I grew up with. I grew up with the Astros and I grew up with the uh, uh, Rockets and I grew up with the Orders. And when the Orders left, I lost my football team. And I've never been able to really fully grasp the Texans. And um, I agree with that. Relatively difficult to grasp them because they <laughs> haven't been able to perform much. So uh, I don't hide my passion for those two other teams, but especially the Rockets, because they've been such a huge part of my life. Well, Matt, um, let's just let's go, let's go on. Um, I want to go back actually to way in the past, because I know you said that you were always a fan from the beginning. Yeah. Do you have any moments from the 80s when you watched the Rockets as a fan, watching Moses Malone, right. watching uh, the tail end of Calvin Murphy's career, seeing the Rockets go to the finals in 86 and 81 as well yeah. um, against the Celtics, you know, seeing the demise, unfortunately, of, a, you know, the partner of Ralph, of Hakeem, Ralph Sampson. I'm just curious to know, like, you have any like fond memories or anything that sticks out to you from the 80s? Uh, I first became a fan of the Rockets during the 80-81 finals. Remember, that team went 40-42. and 42. That was the first yeah, they team were, to finish under 500 and go to the NBA Finals. They were the eighth I, seed that year, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. have a firm grasp of who they were. I just remember being in a bar. Uh, matter of fact, I might have been at Beer, Beer Paredes when I was like eight or nine years old watching them for the very first time. So I do remember Calvin playing. I remember Moses Malone as a Houston Rocket. And I also remember the day that I found out that Moses Malone was being traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, and mm. it was bad. I think the following year they finished 14 and 68, something like that. Brutal. Somewhere in that range. Maybe it was a year or two after that. So it was tough watching Caldwell Jones, um, uh, James Beetle Bailey, uh, Kobe's dad, was on the team. This was the tail end of. Elvin Hayes' career. Elvin and I are very mm-hmm. close friends to this day. So that was, it's great to, to kind of reminisce with him. Calvin Murphy's last days. And then uh, watching back to back ping pong balls go the Rockets, well, not ping pong balls, it was the coin flips. Yeah. Uh, at the time. And uh, <laughs> getting Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon. And I was a huge fan in 1985 that got back to the playoffs where they played the Utah Jazz. And that was my first learn to hate the Utah Jazz because <laughs> uh, Elijah Wan and Billy Pultz got after it. And uh, watching a young Carl uh, Malone and John Stockton beat them was, was very, very painful to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 86 came around. And what I remember about 86, I was in the eighth grade at the time. 
And at that point in the NBA, they were not televising late night games live. Uh, a Lakers Rockets Western Conference final in Los Angeles was starting at 930. But CBS Channel 11 in town uh, had the rights to the NBA at the time. There were, I don't think there, were, there may have been a cable partner, but it wasn't a huge deal like it is now. So they tape delayed the game to 1030. So even though the game is started at 930, if you were watching just on television, you were an hour behind the action. And I remember staying up until, you know, 1245, one o'clock in the morning and watching Ralph Sampson's turnaround shot hit the rim and fall in and win the West. And, you know, at that time, 13 year old, 14 year old Matt Thomas lost his mind. And it was so <laughs> much fun. And then the result of that was taking on one of the greatest teams of all time, the 1986 mm -hmm. Boston Celtics, where I already hated them to begin with, but I really despised them. Larry Bird obviously did his thing. Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Kevin McHale, um, and then Jerry Seasting fighting with Ralph Sampson. And that just, oh, I get, it's pissing me off right now, but <laughs> I, I got past that. But yeah, that's those are some memories. The lean times, obviously. Uh, with Elijah Wan not being happy and maybe thinking and you know, being suspended, the the early days of John Lucas being suspended and Mitch Wiggins and Lou Lloyd and uh, the kind of the unraveling mm -hmm. until they rebuilt themselves a little bit in the early 1990s. Buck Johnson was somewhat productive for a while. They went and got Robert Ory in the draft, uh, and then they got to 1993 where they played their asses off against the Seattle SuperSonics and lost a, a heartbreaking series to them. And I was like, are they ever going to be able to get back? Are they ever going to be able to get over the hump? And they did. And they played an amazing brand of basketball that next season. And, you know, here we are in 1994 going to the NBA finals for the first time where Elijah Wan's taking on, oh, no, Patrick Ewing, who's looking for his first NBA title. His kryptonite. Elijah Wan had already <laughs> played him against uh, Georgetown in the, in, in, in the final four and lost mm -hmm. that in the championship game. And you had Pat Riley, who had come – fresh off of the Showtime run uh, with the Lakers. And it, every, the recipe was, you know, would New York get calls? And so you're so excited about that. And then that came out and came into play where they were down 3-2 and they were having a fight with OJ's white yes. Bronco and, mm -hmm. and on the screen at the same oh. time where they couldn't even get full run coverage of that. And then to see Elijah on play out of his mind in game six, block the John Stark shot to send the game to game seven. And they went on to win. And, and guys, you got to realize for somebody at the time, again, I was 21, 22, but I grew up being a Houston fan. All I knew about were the orders blowing big leads. All mm -hmm. I knew about the Astros were close, but no cigar, losing an 86 to the uh, Mets in a seven, in a six game nationally championship <clears throat> series. Knowing the orders with Stagger Lee and the AFC championship game during Love You Blue, the Cougars had gone to three final fours when I was a kid. They lost that. So, it was a huge relief that finally a Houston team could get over the hump. And then the next year, kind of a sluggish start, kind of, you know, you got you to rock the boat a little bit. So what, you know, you all, oh, by the way, Clyde Drexler wants to be traded. Where does he want to go? Well, he wants to go to Houston. What do you have to give up in return? Oh, you got to give up Otis Thorpe. Wait a minute. Otis Thorpe, great power forward, great defensive player. Uh, you know, how does that affect Vernon Maxwell? with Clyde Drexler on the same team. And guess what? It was oil and water. Those two guys had wanted no part of each other. That's the reason why basically Vernon Maxwell quit on that team. The team ended the season as a six seed, 
had to go on the road to open up the playoffs and then play Phoenix and all the choke cities and all. I mean, just amazing amounts of drama for me that um, you would have thought a Houston team could not overcome, but they did. Unreal. Like hearing all of that, because at that point in time, I was like four or five, six years old. I was still growing up as a kid. I remember vividly the moments of 94 and 95 with my dad, you know, he would be banging pots and pans specifically in game seven going nuts. I remember game seven. Oh, no, sorry. Not game seven, game four of the conference finals, 97, when Eddie Johnson's everyone's favorite commentator hit the game winning three, when he got his assist from Matt Maloney, you know, that was such a, he did. And that was such a huge shot. Cause I remember where I was sitting when we lost that game. And I remember seeing the deflation in my dad's face and I was like, it's over. Cause you know, at that point in time, you're not really used to watching the Rockets lose. Even in 96, it didn't feel real. But I totally get it because, I mean, as I was growing up, I saw the 97, 98, 99 Astros, 98, Randy Johnson. We believed that we were going to win it all. We had the lineup. We had the pitching and we just couldn't get over the hump. Kevin Brown decided to, you know, give up like what one run and two, two complete games. Unreal. And then both running into Braves in between the that year. So it was just unbelievable. I completely understand. Like, I love hearing it. Because in the 80s, I don't know, like I've only read articles on it. We've we've all read that one article about the 86 Rockets and the downfall that accompanied that. But yeah, I mean, I love it, especially hearing about 95. Um, We've heard stories um, because Chucky Brown is a a friend of the podcast, him and Eldridge Kasner both. Yeah. And we've had them on. And Chucky was giving us like really insightful stories from 95. He was there. Uh, you know, when Vernon hopped in the stands in Portland and he told us the story about hitting the key free throws in game five against the jazz in the first round. Do you have any like in stories that probably most people haven't heard um, in regards to your years during the championship as the announcer? Um, <laughs> well, I can give you a story. It's about the first championship. Mm-hmm. Uh the party after. Oh, I want to hear this. I'm all in. (laughs) I have to spare some of the details because I'm now happily married and have been for almost 25 years. My man, my man. Um, So in 19, so we win game seven and uh, Ward travels around the arena floor. There's going to be a party at uh, little Papado's, which is no longer in business, but it's over on uh, Kirby and Richmond. Mm. Oh There's yeah, they, they, there now. they just closed, right? Or the yeah. Papados, they just closed. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So word travels that there is <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this. This is about the 500th time I've told this story, but it's legendary for anybody that's an old school rocket fan. So they they win the championship and they're like, there's there's a rockets party for the team and for staff. And do you want to come to this party? And I'm said, well, yeah, I'm 20, 22 years old. Oh, by the way, I was also on David Letterman, too. I forgot about that. I'll tell you that about that story, too. Um, but this is first things first. Uh, so 22 years old, I get to the party, and I get there super late for some reason. And um, all that, that's left to drink, the bar has been completely empty. All there's left are bottles of champagne. So I walk in, and a member of the Papa's family says, here, enjoy this bottle of champagne. They give me my own bottle of champagne to drink. 
and I'm drinking <laughs> it right out of the bottle. <laughs> this, so, this is this is a great start. And to I'm story. not a heavy drinker, <laughs> but I drink and I drink and I drink. Now at the time, I was producing Dan Patrick's radio show, which started at six thirty in the morning, and I thought to myself, self. Well, if I leave this party at one o'clock, I can still go home, get four or five hours of sleep, drive the radio station and produce the show. I look, it's two o'clock. Party's still going. Oh, it's three o'clock. All right. I'll give myself three hours of sleep. Well, I don't know how, how you guys hold your liquor, but I don't hold my liquor. And I finished that bottle of champagne by myself and I was beyond sick. I stumbled to my car. I got in my car. I was in a Bronco 2 at the time. I parked in between Papacitos and Papado. I get in my car, and I immediately start to vomit all over myself. I'm wearing the same Rockets tie and the same blue shirt that I wore the night of the game doing the PA announcements. I used to dress up and put a shirt and tie on. So I vomit. I can't even reach over to the side because I'm vomiting so much. I pass out in my car. I'm so passed out that my car door is still open from me trying to vomit outside of my car. So when a car's door is open, what does it do? It goes ding, 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 ding. So all I heard for about three hours in between vomiting and dry heaving was ding, 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 ding. I had my wallet in the passenger seat. I had my paycheck in the passenger seat. Now, back then, there was no direct deposit. You took the check and you put took it, took it to the bank. Next thing I know, I wake up, it's 6.05 in the morning. And I'm supposed to be at I-10 in Derry Ashford at 6.30. I'm covered in vomit. I am in this car. And everybody in the radio is celebrating this championship. The Rockets had just won their first ever championship. I'm like, what do I do? So stupidly, I get in the, I stay, turn my car on and I drive from Kirby and Richmond to I-10 and Derry Ashford. And I go to the building and I tell my boss at the time, Dan Patrick, who's now our lieutenant governor. I said, Dan, look at me. I partied all night. I can't do this. I can't produce your show today. And he goes, okay, well, as long as you come on for one radio segment. And I'm like, I'm still drunk, really, really drunk. So they put me on the hair on the headset and they're asking me all these questions about the night. I don't know what the score is. I know who won. They're asking me how I got vomit all over my shirt. They're asking me who I was with, what I did. And they're just crushing me on this. <laughs> so my roommate at the time was a coworker. He picks me up out of the chair in the studio. He puts me in his truck. We drive back to my, our apartment. I dry heave three times between Derry Ashford and Antoine on I-10. He throws me into my bedroom, shuts the door. I pass out, like still sick as a dog. I get up about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, turn on the radio station, which is 700, and they're replaying the interview of me being so sick on the show. And people are listening to it and asking for it every 20 to 30 minutes. Hey, I heard Matt was shit-faced on the radio. I want to hear this. <laughs> the next day in the Houston Post, there was a story about me being shit-faced at the Rockets championship party. 
So no matter where I go, for old school Rocket fans, they remember me the night after the championship game having vomit all over my blue shirt, sweat because I was a fat hog at the time. Just, I mean, I smelled like ass, but I went to the radio station and tried to help do the radio show. Three dry heaves later and 20 rebroadcasts later, I was uh, I was the most well-known Houston Rocket personality that wasn't a player. So that's a memory of the Houston Rockets championship. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the on-court action or the players. It was just me losing my mind, getting really drunk, drinking a whole bottle of champagne by myself. My man, Matt Thomas, went viral before viral was a thing in the city of Houston. Yeah, the Houston Post, which is, for those of you who don't know, was a newspaper here when we used to be a two-newspaper town. I remember the paragraph like it was right next to me. Matt Thomas, Rockets PA announcer and talk show host, was definitely at the party. He came to the radio station the next day, obviously wearing the effects of, and they didn't know what I was drinking at the time, but yeah, it was... um, it was absolutely incredible. So a second story that also involves me in the championship. Um, you guys remember Late Night with David Letterman, right? You remember that show? Yeah, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, it was a late show on CBS, and they had, and he had two guys named Mujibur and Sarah Joel. Mm. Mujibur and Sarah Joel were two guys that worked at a uh, souvenir shop next to the Ed Sullivan Theater where Dave Letterman used to do his radio show. And they were little bit funny characters on his show. Well, it was up one one summer, summer 1994, they uh, sent and Sarah Jewel to all these great places around the country. It was, it was like a Mujibur and Sarah Jewel tour of America. They went to Mount Rushmore. They went to St. Louis. They went to Boston. They went to California. Well, I found out they were coming to Houston. And one of the producers for the Dave Letterman show is a Houston uh, native. She went to Memorial High School, and I found out who she was. And I sent—I don't know if I, I don't know if I sent her an email or called her officer. And I said, "Hey, my name is Matt Thomas. I'm the arena announcer for the Rockets. And wouldn't it be cool if I introduced Mujibur and Sarah Joel like I introduced Akeem Olajuwon and Otis Thorpe and Vernon Maxwell and Robert Ory?" Left the voicemail. Didn't think twice of it. I got a phone call. It was a June day. Obviously, it was the NBA Finals. I was out playing in a charity golf tournament and the phone rings. It was a strange phone number. Uh, and it, she goes, hi, this is Lori from the Dave Letterman show. We want, we just got your voicemail. And we think it'd be a great idea if we introduced Mujibur and Sarah Jewel, the way that you do the Rockets players. She goes, can you be at the, uh, at the summit in 30 minutes? I'm like, yes, I was in Clear Lake playing golf. So oh, I was in wow. the middle of the course, <laughs> wetting my ass off. I called the Rockets equipment manager. I said, look, I'm in golf gear. I'm sweaty. I'm not going to go on national television. I said, can you get me a hat and a shirt with the Rockets on it? Get it ready so when I get to the arena, I can change my clothes and go on. I get to the arena at four, about 4.30, 4.45. They start taping at 5.10 p.m. They give me an earpiece, and I hear Dave Letterman talking, and it's me, it's Mujibur and Sarah Jewel, and we do a whole segment together. And I introduced those guys, and it was a legend. As a matter of fact, I think you could probably even find it on YouTube if you wanted to as well. So that was when I was really fat and disgusting and had terrible set of glasses, and I actually had bad <laughs> hair back then too. But um, those are some memories of being on national television 
rooting for the Rockets to win. Remember that New York, he's in New York, so all the fans in his mm-hmm. audience were Knicks fans. So he says, Dave says to me, Matt, things must be pretty exciting around down in Houston. I said, yeah, especially when the Rockets win. And I can hear in the earpiece all the New York audience in the studio are booing me because I said the Rockets are going to win. So uh, those are two stories that come to mind. The championship party night and being on David Letterman that night was uh, certainly a lot of fun. <laughs> I love to hear you heal it up to the New York crowd. Oh, almost. I think I'm hating in Golden it. State and New York. I, I think there I'm you go. At this point. <laughs> Live the gimmick, and you know what? Thomas. Live it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love it just to hear that because I mean, you know, like you're 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 young, and to hear you partying with not just you know with the organization, but the players, enjoying yourself, having fun. Who yeah. wouldn't get carried away? Yeah, like the only even player me. that I don't think like, was there was Akeem Olajuwon. I think uh, mm-hmm. he had a. Uh, I don't know if it was religious aspect or he just didn't want to mm-hmm. go there. And then I think I want to say Kenny Smith had something to do in the morning on the Today Show or something like that the next day. Mm-hmm. But most of the players were there. In fact, I want to say I think Matt Bullard broke the trophy or something. I don't know. I, I don't want to miss it. something <laughs> happened to the trophy that night that it had to be repaired. Because everybody was passing it around, and you wanted to grab a little piece of the trophy. So I don't. I don't. That that may be just a, a wives' tale, but. That was one hellacious party. When you walk into a party and they say, we have nothing else except bottles of champagne. Enjoy yourself. I don't, I have never consumed that much alcohol in such a short period of time. And it was expensive champagne. It wasn't the cheap stuff. You know, you're, you're mm-hmm. celebrating a championship. You're not going to have of course. the, you know, the pink lemonade champagne. You're, you know, you're not going to the Boone Strawberry Hill. You got the good stuff. So uh, <laughs> it was Unbelievable. I was I was uh, much more mature in 1995 when they won their second championship. Uh, me and some friends rented a limousine and we drove around town and just drank in the limousine. It was I was I was much better behaved. <laughs> you played that very smart. You learned from your mistakes. I did. I did. for Yeah, sure. it's almost like Ubering nowadays, like when Kenny and I get a little crazy and, but, you know, on, on, yeah. in the city, we but decided you know the great Uber part about both those parades were or both those celebrations were <laughs> is that we as a community behaved ourselves. There weren't people Mm -hmm. turning over cars, burning couches. Mm -hmm. I mean, I told you guys in 94, I had my wallet and my car door open and my, and my paycheck. You could have taken all three. You could have beaten the hell out of me for all I would have known. I was, I was shit faced. I I couldn't defend myself and I got up and there I am just get my car and go. So of all the things that big cities do to celebrate, you hear problems in Detroit and Philadelphia and LA. We mm-hmm. behaved ourselves. And that, that was when you knew that we were a good city when the Richmond strip was the place to be and everybody got along and we were all celebrating one championship. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love it. Cause I, I've heard stories of people, um, some older friends that were old enough to celebrate on Richmond back in the day. I was just talking about that yesterday with um at one of my accounts we were talking about how richmond used to be the place to be oh my in god in the 90s yeah yeah not oh it's nothing like it is today for sure i mean it's <laughs> washington ab is i guess a little bit like it but midtown mm-hmm. isn't like i mean the richmond strip was 12 14 blocks of great bars and restaurants that's not mm-hmm. midtown um no. washington ab a little bit to it but you know again nothing equated what that was like being single and young in the nineties, being able to have that large strip with so many different options of bars. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. Cause I'm the same way, but um, Matt, okay. This is spontaneous. 
um, this came to my head and I'm curious. I wanted to ask you to see if you would do this just for us at the summit state of mind. All right. Um, another, another request. <laughs> Here we go. Would you, I, I, I wanted to ask you like your favorite player to announce, but I think that might be too much to ask. So my question is, would you announce your starting lineup of your five favorite Rockets as an announcer? Oh, I would love to hear that. Oh, you mean, uh, you mean favorite players or favorite to announce? Uh, let's just go favorite players and announce them as a starting five. How about that? I would love to hear that. But, man, but he could announce, but like his favorite players to announce, though, that's like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear that. I, I don't no, know. What, I, what do you no, think, gonna, Matt? What I'm do you gonna, think? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you my five favorite to announce. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, let's go. Um, all right. I, I think I can do this off the top of my head, too. So if I'm off by an inch, I'm oh, gonna, uh, I am all in. You, 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 you put me on the spot here. All right. And now... It's time for liftoff with your Houston Rockets at guard six seven from the University of Houston, the grind, Clyde Drexler. Uh, the other guard six three from North Carolina, number thirty. Number 25, Ravidori! The other forward, 6-8 from Providence, number 33, O.D. Otisdorf! And at center, 7 feet from the University of Houston, the dream, a team of Angela! Oh my god. I'm that gonna, was wonderful. No, I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm, I gotta play, I gotta play Capella's You Got to Know. It's gonna be played in the background. Oh, yeah. It's gotta be. Oh, yeah. Yes. Was. At forward, 6'8 from North Carolina State, number 52, Chucky Brown. <laughs> we're gonna send that, we're gonna make that clip and we're gonna send it just to our guy. That clip yeah, just for Chucky. Yeah, Gosh. Chucky was such an instrumental part of the team, kind of an unsung hero guy for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. him. He was telling us how he was brought in because of Carl Herrera getting hurt, and he ended up having to take on more of a, a bigger role once OT got traded. So him yeah. and Pete Chilcutt, can't forget Chili Pete. Don't you know? forget Pete Chilcutt or Charles Jones. Well, yes. I guess, I guess Charles Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the slide, I love it. Oof, right. man. <laughs> good stuff. Matt, Matt. Well, I, another one I liked oh, more recently, uh, at guard from Wake Forest, 6-1. C P three. Oh my god! That one. That. Well, I was gonna ask. I was gonna be like, dude. It was like, Matt, come on, give me Chris Paul, give me CP three. Yeah, I met him. He was so nice that Mm -hmm. I've missed because, uh, and that I haven't been friends with a lot of them. Just Mm -hmm. it is what it is. They're in a different stratosphere as I am. Uh, But Chris was always very nice to me. Uh, we'd go on the road a couple of times a year and I'd be with some friends or he'd be with uh, his friends and I'd have my people and he'd pick up our tab just never just to be nice. I mean, it was just just a very nice gesture. He would talk to you and some of, you know, some of these NBA players, 
they don't have time for broadcasters, but he always made time to at least say hello. And I always appreciate that very much. Man, Chris Paul, because I remember like the summer that he got traded here when I was at my old job, I saw this guy walk into the store and I was just like, man, he's got a really nice Rockets warm up. It was the white one, which obviously wasn't released. They only released like the black ones back in the day. Yeah. And um, he looked up and I flipped. I was like, OMG, that's 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 Chris Paul. And I like he looked we made eye contact and then i hid and i freaked out because i was like this is the greatest point guard of our generation he literally got traded to houston like three weeks ago and he's already in rockets gear what do i say to him and literally he he walked around and i waited till he came back and i literally all i did was i i extended my i just dapped him up i was like yo cp3 thank you so much for choosing us and come here and he was like oh thanks man i appreciate that and that's all i needed i was just like huh yeah i got, I got goosebumps talking about it man because oh, that it, look, it, he is a wonderful human being yeah and he was his, great you know and look he 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 made he's not the dirtiest ball player in the game but he can get dirty if you need to <laughs> seriously he goes rick flair when needed i respected him very much so he's been able to reinvent himself with oklahoma city now with phoenix and so that's the one player that got away that I really wish things would have worked out for him. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Just the, the, the way that he kind of just set that culture for the team and the 65 and 17 Rockets are just, they're so right. legendary. And I think right. this for this iteration of Rockets fans who were younger that didn't get to enjoy the 94, 95 Rockets, like this right. was as close as it got. Yep. There's an, there's an attachment, you know, to this, to that era of that Rockets team with, you know, we equate Trevor Ariza to, you know, the, the old school players as well. Trevor Ariza, PJ Tucker, Luke Mbamute, Joe Green, so, so on and so forth. Last few questions before we go home here, Matt. I just wanted to get your opinions, obviously, because look, you went back to play-by-play announcing for the Rockets right. uh, on the radio just this season. But I just want your overall opinion just from the season, and and obviously any of the standouts. Obviously, number two pick is J- Jalen Green. But what yeah. were your overall takes from the season? Uh, overall takes was um, the March and April Rockets. I think were significantly different than the ones you saw between October and February. Jalen Green. I was ridiculously excited about seeing him get drafted number two. I had not watched enough of him because, look, let's face it, none of us are watching a lot of Ignite G League on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a hitch in his swing. There was a hitch in the shot. And I saw him work his ass off to get better at that. And John Lucas, who's a very good friend of mine, is one of the, one of the assistant coaches, works tirelessly with Jalen to become the player. So Jalen took his ridiculous athleticism and became a much better basketball player and worked his rear end off. And I'm so proud of his development. Um, Alperen Shingun looks like he's got the moves to do some amazing things in the NBA. I think it's very much still a work in progress, as it would be for anybody that's 19 years old. Uh, I think Usman Garuba right now is a huge incomplete because he just didn't play much. And Josh Christopher got better as the season moves along. The big question is going to be, when this team is really ready to contend in a couple of years, and I think it's going to be probably at least two more seasons, who are the core parts? Is Kevin Porter Jr. going to be that guy that him and Jalen Green are that one-two punch and say, you know what, our backcourt's going to beat your backcourt every single time or most nights? And I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty about that. Uh, but Kevin got better as the season progressed yes. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and – you wanted more victories. You wanted those guys to overcome 14-point deficits in the fourth quarter. You wanted them to hold on to a lead where they had by 20. The reality is, you you know, the Rockets 
just were not among the elite teams in the NBA, and they were just going to be very hard to get get nights like that. But they're athletic as hell. Uh, if they all mature, meaning gaining weight, working on their jump shots, working on defense, teams got to get better defensively. It's got to be a better rim protecting team. It's got to be a team that's going to have to win the rebounding battle more than it did. It got better when it came to turning the ball over less in the second half of the year than it did in the first. Uh, and it still needs just you know one or two more high drafts. And I look very much look look forward to the future. But right now, it's a full it's a full on rebuild. And if you're an Astro fan, and it was tough watching 12, 13, 14, that's what the Rockets are going through right now. And the end result mm -hmm. of the Astros is pretty damn good right now. So if the Rockets, you know, go th through that same pattern, there'll be a payoff to this. Look at where Atlanta was and Phoenix were just two years ago. Mm -hmm. And how those franchises are like, <clears throat> oh, what are we going to do here? Exactly. So what I'd like to see is if Porter's the guy, he gets it and takes that job and no one ever – even challenges him. Jalen Green gets better. Alperin Shangun becomes that true stretch four that I think he can be. And I think it involves him becoming a better perimeter shooter. The three-point shot just wasn't very good for him all year. No. Uh, and getting one or two more high-end draft picks and then going out and spending some money and figuring out what free agent is that missing piece. But it's a stage one of the rebuild, and it's difficult to tell people that. But the Rockets have not hid this from you. They're not trying to tell you that they're a 50-win team right now. They'd love to get to 50 wins. But in the NBA, as is the case with Phoenix and Atlanta being the two classic examples of that, it's just going to take time. And I, I hope Rocket fans are patient with that. I can appreciate the rebuild. Like, I, I appreciate the fact that we actually tore it down to the studs after James Harden got traded because right. we weren't going to – we we so lucked into James Harden in 2012 where we were just kind of like middle of the pack, kind of making the playoffs, where Kevin Martin and Kyle Lowry were the leaders of your team. And no knock to them. They were great. They were they were a feisty team with Luis Scola as well and um, Courtney Lee. But at the end of the day, like, I wanted the team to be teared down to the studs. If, if we were going to turn over from the Harden era – I love the fact that we have this homegrown talent to look forward to, to see them grow. And I think it's really interesting because the fan base, we're so in touch now with like Twitter, especially in the Rockets Twitter world. Right. <clears throat> There's so many fans that are like looking forward to it. So many, they're having a spaces right now talking about the Rockets off season. Like it's just so cool to see Rockets fans in this, this era and this generation, and they're going to continue to grow. So I agree with you hundred percent. And yeah, we trust the rebuild. We trust the process, you know, quote unquote, trust the process, just like Joel Embiid's team. But we just hope that obviously it's not, going to take 10 years maybe just a few more years here and there like you said follow the pattern of the astros follow the pattern of phoenix also you know kind of look into a like getting a vet a vet like player like chris paul to be able to kind of like write that ship as well and kind of point them into the right direction to help yeah. develop devin booker accordingly like like someone like that that can help jalen green um but yeah no i totally agree with you in that sense i can't wait to see what's going to happen in the future another question yo 2k had asked you I, w I have to ask you that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that was so freaking – the reveal <clears throat> alone was not getting to yeah. play the game and, like, getting to hear your voice. I know. Freaking legendary. Give us the story. How'd that go down? So, uh, the Rockets reached out to me and said, hey, NBA 2K wants to talk to you. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> so, I get, on a, uh, I get on a conference call, and the woman from 2K says, uh, what we're about to talk about is going to be very secretive. I love secrets. You know, some people don't like to like to like I have a lot of secrets in my head. 
I, there's a lot of things I love to tell you that I can't tell you because I have to keep, I have to keep secrets. Of course. So they're like, okay. I said, all right, I'll keep the secret because we're going to take every PA announcer and we're going to add it to this video game for 2K22. Would you be interested? I said, oh, hell yeah, I would be. She goes, well, you're going to sign a confidentiality agreement and we're going to bring you to LA for six days and you're going to record these things and you're not going to tell a soul why you're there. And I could only tell, frankly, my boss at the radio station and my family and my close friends. And I just said, look, you just got to shut your bum asses up. You can't say a word about this. So I went and was gone for six days and I got into a studio where I read everything from people's names to traveling to foul call to ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Anything you would ever hear at a basketball game, the score points, fouls, numbers, anything we put in the video game. And to give you an example of how much work I did, there would be some days where I would scream basket by and then someday I would say, basket by. Then I would say, Jalen Green. And I would go, Jalen Green. Every one of those things I said, whether it was 74, 95, was a line. So mm-hmm. the number 74 could be just a line. In six days, I read 9,000 lines. Wow. Four hours a day for six days. Now, it was quite monotonous. It wasn't like it was a thrill a minute. Because, again, mm-hmm. you're just doing these little video or these little uh, audio captures that they're going to throw in the video game. So mm-hmm. uh, had a great experience, uh, had a really, really nice time. The people were there were so nice. And then they said, you know, when the, when the rollout comes out, you're going to, we're going to do a video with you and talk about it. And, and then to hear my, all my son's friends wanting copies of the game for me because they're hearing me, my voice on it was something else. And so um, I, I, of all the accomplishments in my life, I don't think being a voice on a video game was on my list, but it's very, very cool. And in fact, they're calling me a legacy announcer. I'm going to go back in May and add some new new names for 2K23. So uh, I'm very excited about that. So uh, it was really, really exciting. Again, very monotonous. My voice got quite a workout, but it was still uh, a tremendous experience. And that 2K2, 2K22 video game will always have my voice on it. And uh, I don't know if Golden State fans are going to listen to me, but at least Rocket fans have used it. <laughs> no, because like hands down, like that, the fact that you're like known as that, like a legacy announcer, like you're you, no matter what happens in the, in the future years right. down past, you know, when you, when you go and you, when you pass away, like generations. Let's not talk about my legacy. death this year. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just saying. You got a little flowers. morbid. I'm giving you yeah. your flowers. The Thomas okay, legacy. Good, good. The Thomas you, legacy is going to forever you go. have. Much better. Much better. That's what I was trying to say. Goodness gracious. <laughs> getting, getting thrown against the wall here. Uh, last question, Matt. Uh, Favorite, I want to know what your favorite memory is just as a just working for the Rockets. I know it's hard to equate it maybe down to one, but if you can yeah. one, that'll that kind of just gives you that that joy and makes you happy. Which one would you go for? Uh, there are actually too many, so I, I'm just not going to be able to narrow it to one. When you've been around an organization for as long as I have, um, as a reporter going to San Antonio and watching David Robinson get the MVP award in 1995. And Elijah on eating his lunch and dream shaking David Robinson in front of all of his fans of the Alamo Dome. I was right on the baseline when that happened. I was blown away by that. Um, that was incredible being there. I was in Orlando as a reporter watching Nick Anderson miss those free throws, watching the Rockets win two games in Orlando to come back to Houston, win that two straight. Being around the Rockets and overcoming the deficits to Phoenix with the, with the whole uh, uh, choke city. 
announcing Akeem Olajuwon and not being able to hear myself because the crowd at the summit was just losing its mind. Um, having Marv Albert introduce me as the rock as the Rockets the Rockets PA announcer Marv, Matt Thomas, and having that on VHS still to this day. So uh, cool. calling my first play-by-play game as a member of the Houston Rockets. I have dreamt of being the, the radio voice of the Rockets for the longest time. And in 2016, my dreams came true. Calling an I mean, there's only 30 of us to do it. That's true. that's rarefied air. And I worked my ass off very hard to be very good at my craft. It's a very subjective business. And a lot of it has to be right place at the right time. But if you're not good, they'll replace you. And I've been blessed. The Rockets have been very pleased with my work. I love it. I take tremendous care. I care deeply about my broadcast. I care deeply about being a uh, a voice to people that are can't watch the games, whether they're visually impaired or they're in their cars or don't have cable television, that want to know what's going on. I want to paint a picture for them. I take this responsibility very seriously. I love, um, and again, you asked me one moment. That's why I'm just giving you blathering at the mouth here because there's been so many of them. Um, But, you know, having the best seat in the house for the two championships, right at midcourt, looking over my left shoulder and seeing Spike Lee being so pissed off that his Knicks can't win one game in Houston to win the championship, looking over my right shoulder and seeing ZZ Top all sitting there courtside in those championship days, um, being able to meet the people that I have met, being on the Rockets plane and traveling this incredible lifestyle that professional athletes live. That's why I couldn't narrow it to one because everything has been everything that I've ever dreamt of and then some. So uh, I don't know, maybe if I'm 90 years old in a walker in a home and I'm having a, a, a nurse give me my bath, maybe I'll give you, give you one reason at that point. But right now there are too many. <laughs> that was the best answer I could ever get. If I could ever hear one, the fact that, I, I, I probably should have worded that better. Be like, yeah, no, I couldn't. You could never narrow it down to one. You've had no, such an illustrious no career. Yeah. There's no chance. I mean, the relationships I've built uh, with coaches, Mike D'Antoni and I are still very close. Steven Silas and I are uh, really, really tight. I'm tight with a couple of players. Um, but just, I mean, this, this NBA life is just incredible. Now, as I said before, it can take your toll. Thankfully, I've got a really, really supportive family. Mm-hmm. that uh, misses their husband and their dad quite a bit. I mean, we, we travel a lot between October and April. I mean, it's, you know, five cities in eight days. It's gone for seven or eight days at a time, and it wears on people. So you have to have a really supportive family that understands this is my dream and has been my dream since so I was able to walk and talk. So, uh, you know, you just can't thank them enough for letting them put up with this little fantasy world that I'm living in right now. Shout out to the Thomas family right there. One time. For sure. <laughs> That's the go. Thomas family. And I got better tickets this year, so they really love me. So my seats are pretty good this year, too. Hey, so. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, let's get ready to go home here. It was just such a pleasure just having you on the show. You're just just full of energy, full of swagger. Like it's it's everything and then some that we fully expected from a from good. Matt Thomas interview. Good. I just I just hope that as hosts we lived up to eh, somewhat, but we'll see. Uh, but all right, yeah. so there's the bit. I'm at just shy of twenty nine thousand followers on Twitter. I want uh-huh. every one of your listeners to follow me on Twitter, so I can get to thirty thousand. When I get to thirty thousand, we're gonna have a big ass party in Las Vegas. You guys like Vegas? Uh, y'all love to join. Y'all. Okay, 
The only rule is you get to come with me, but you have to, we have to be a follower. So tell every one of your followers <laughs> to follow me back. So I can get to 30,000 followers and we can go to Vegas and party for two or three days. We could party for two or three days with uh, some champagne, right? That's the, well, that's, yeah. And remember, that's gotta be the goal. Oh, and there'll be zero conversation. What happens in Las Vegas during that time? Zero. Cause I'll really tell you some rocket stories that you won't believe that I can't put on this podcast. <laughs> that, that's what we're looking forward to right there. We're looking for the stuff that's off air that you cannot, that's going to be uh-huh. off filter and cannot for be on sure. the I've got many more stories. Remember <laughs> I'm a good secret holder. So got to wait for Vegas guys. Got to wait for Vegas. <laughs> Matt Thomas said it here first. The Vegas strip is on the line. We're going to be doing some future summer league parties with this guy, Matt Thomas. For sure. Let the people know where they can find you on Twitter. All right, at SportsMT, that's both on Twitter and Instagram, and noon to three on Sports Talk 790 every single day, Monday through Friday. Awesome. We appreciate that. Uh, let's get ready to go home here My from myself and the GM. We just appreciate having you on, Matt. It's been a pleasure. GM, do you have anything else to say to Matt before we go home here? Oh, man, just thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was such a pleasure running into you after that, I forgot what you came, the Kings game when you met me and my girlfriend just – Walking How's that going along, by the way? How's that coming along? Oh, it's going wonderful. We're we're wonderful. Yeah. When do I get to talk to her? I don't even talk to you anymore. I'm done with you. Where is she? At? Hey. One day, maybe maybe when we party in Vegas, right? Done. There you get go. Get me to thirty thousand so we can party <laughs> with Justin and his girl. <laughs> Let's make it happen. All right. Good. <laughs> Come on, listeners. We need this. Good stuff. Uh, make sure to, like I said, follow Matt Thomas at SportsMT. You can follow myself on Twitter at Summer Commission, S-U-M-M-I-T-C-O-M-M-I-S-H. Justin, let the people know where they can follow you. Follow me at JP underscore Mirabueno, M-I-R-A-B-U-E-N-O. That's both Twitter and Instagram. And make sure to follow us also on Twitter at Summit, S-O-M pod. And follow us on Instagram at summit state of mind underscore pod. You'll see, you know, a lot of our clips. We make a lot of posts on Instagram and Twitter. We try our best to make sure to get out there. So please, everyone, follow us if you got the chance. And follow Matt. Follow. Yeah, there you go. When I said us, I meant Matt too. You know, okay. okay. I just wanted to make sure. (laughs) Want to make sure this is a group effort. But we appreciate you, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on. We're gonna be ready to go home here. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Keep on fire. The summit for 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 life.